Hi, Christian Yordanov here. Uh, let's talk about weight loss today. Why is it so hard for many people to lose weight and keep it off? If we believe what we are told in kind of the mainstream, it's that to, in order to lose weight or, or accumulate fat, which can be unhealthy to have that accumulation of fat, you need to eat less and move more, right? So if that's the protocol to get there, why are so many, we're talking at this point, hundreds of millions of people suffering from excess weight and the comorbidities associated with it, and they're unable to drop the weight even though they try. And then many people are in the gym every day or six days a week, five days a week. They're eating very little. They're following the advice quite well like it's when you think about it that advice eat less move more is not difficult to follow yet many people they can lose the weight after a while for a while but they gain it back so what why is that happening so that's kind of something i've been working on researching uh, and i want to share with you some insights that i think you may find useful right so First of all, this calories in, calories out equation is kind of BS, honestly. Maybe in a perfect world, 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago, maybe then it would work. But in today's, uh, in this modern world, it certainly won't, uh, for reasons I'll explain in a little bit. Let's, let's start with the, the really big one here right that's missing out of the cico equations the calories in calories out what's missing from the equation is the role that hormones play in gaining and losing weight it's a, this is a huge thing right Can, if you imagine twins let's say two two women 40 years of age born you know exactly the same genetics everything else if you Take one and and put her, let's say, on a thousand calorie diet, and then you take the other one and let's say her her basal metabolic rate is two thousand calories, and you you cut it by twenty five percent, so she's eating fifteen hundred calories. So one one is eating a thousand calories, the other one is eating a hundred one thousand five hundred calories. So through that equation, you would think that the one that's on a thousand calories, because it's half of their, you know, requirement, should lose twice as much weight as the other one, because the other one is on 1500 calories, the first one is on a thousand calories, right? So, yeah, you would think that, but that's not what's going to happen. So, they will start losing weight being on this diet. And um, the one that's on a thousand calories will probably lose more weight, right? But you cannot stay on this on this diet forever. So what will happen is during this diet, the horm- the body with its various uh, hormones, neurotransmitters, will downregulate certain things like the metabolic rate. So the 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 one twin that's on a thousand calories instead of the two thousand they normally get, their metabolism will slow down via the thyroid and other hormones 
The other one that's on 1500 calories, will, their metabolism will also slow down, but not as much as the, the one that was on 1000 calories. So let's say after six months, which is probably too long for, for this example, because you you could probably get a lot of severe health problems being on half the calories that you, you normally ingest. But let's say they're both on this diet for a month and one loses, let's say, five kilograms, the other one loses seven and a half kilograms, right? When they get back on their diet, the one that was on the lower calories is now has a slower metabolism because of the, the down-regulated thyroid and, and all the other hormonal cascades. So that twin is now going to be gaining more weight on the same calories that they used to be, and they'll be gaining more calories than the other twin because their their metabolism slowed down more than the, than the other one. Now, the other ones will also start gaining more weight because they actually are using up less calories than they did before. So this is where, when you look at dieting, right, it is exactly the most counterproductive thing to do if you want to lose weight sustainably. If you want to do it, uh, if you want to lose weight, let's say for a photo shoot, uh, or or to get you know in beach body shape for the summer you in 2 3 months you could lose a lot of weight but the damage that you're going to do to your metabolism and your metabolic rate will definitely result in a lot of weight gain in in the future right especially if you start eating the same calories as you did back before you started dieting so dieting <clears throat> is a really bad idea to lose weight as as crazy as it sounds dieting the 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 most reliable thing that you can expect from dieting is that it will wreck your hormones sooner or later right so <clears throat> dieting is not a good idea the other the other thing that in the modern world that we are exposed to a lot is stress, right? So we're talking psychological and biochemical stress. And psychological is obviously just having <clears throat> these phones that we're constantly, you know, um, uh, reading news, um, just uh, uh, kind of looking at what our friends and peers are doing and feeling either lack or envy or whatever other unproductive emotions they, that creates stress. The fact that your boss can call you at any time, that you can check your work emails at any time or your home or, or your own business. You're constantly monitoring, uh, you know, oh, this customer now, oh, they're looking for a refund or there's a, a client is complaining about something. So it's a constant low to medium to even high level of stress that we're exposed to, never mind the fact that biochemically, we are exposed to toxins from the environment, the air, the food. So this is a biochemical stress. And then on top of that, uh, a lot of us nowadays, because we we think exercising hard is is the way to go. You, you, got, you know, you gotta work hard, play hard, and you know you you achieve your goals. But that a lot of us are actually over exercising for what our body can comfortably handle, and that makes that exercise a stressor. In fact, 
all exercise should be a stretch. Well, unless it's like a walk in the park, which can be considered exercise. We're talking if you're doing <clears throat> weights or um, endurance running, uh, biking, swimming, if you're doing it at a, a fairly high intensity, that is a stressor. That's the whole point of exercise and training. You stress the body and it adapts, creates adaptations that make you fitter, stronger, healthier, uh, healthier you would hope, uh, but fitter, stronger, faster, right? So we're dealing with a lot of stress and we, some of us might be, might, might be doing fasting, dieting or low carbing or keto. And these can actually also become stressors, right? Being low carb, fasting and uh, intermittent fasting as well can actually be a stressor on you if you, if you are not as healthy as you want to be right and i'll explain why in a minute but just kind of wrap that concept up right so you can to go back to the example of the twins let's say that the two women they're 40 years old and they eat 2000 calories that's that's how much energy they need right and they're eating exactly at the energy they require and uh one uh and let's say they're 20 pounds overweight or 10 kilograms that they want to lose, right? If you take one of those twins and let's say her job is like super stressful and she exercises really hard and then you take the other one and let's say you put her on like a, a Car Caribbean island and she's not under psych a lot of psychological stress, not under biochemical stress from toxins and stuff like that, who do you think will have a better chance of shifting that weight, losing that that uh, weight that they want to. I think intuitively we all know that the one that is on the Caribbean island that is less under less stress and toxic exposure is going to have a better, uh, an easier time shifting the weight. And the reason for that is because cortisol, adrenaline, these stress hormones, this stress hormone cascade, that creates... Uh, that gives a signal to the body that things are not okay, right? So if things are not okay, the body, what will it do? It will try to conserve as much of its resources as possible. And some ways it does that is lowering the metabolic rate, so you burn less energy, uh, and storing more food that's coming in. Literally, that's what's happening. So if you, let's say you're doing intermittent, so th let's say the, the one twin that's in the city, exposed to toxins and a stressful job. Let's say now she decides to throw in some 16-8 intermittent fasting in her schedule because she read on a blog or all the, all the Instagram influencers are doing intermittent fasting and so epic, right? So what, what, what happens when you eat your last meal of the day? So for the first couple of hours, you're storing energy. So your liver, it fills its glycogen stores, which is a, the storage form of glucose. And the what that what it does is when you're not eating, when you're in a fasted state, it will start drip drip feeding the the body glucose to maintain your blood sugar levels. That's the the one of the most important jobs that the liver does. But after a while, after a few hours, let's say when you're asleep, let's say you have your dinner at 8 o'clock, you go to bed at 
let's say 11 o'clock in the evening by maybe three o'clock four o'clock in the morning you are now you've depleted that glycogen in your liver and uh you start a process called gluconeogenesis so you start making glucose from amino acids and other bits and pieces that are in your lean tissues like muscle skin uh, collagen bone right so that that process is mediated by cortisol which is a stress hormone right so cortisol goes up when you're in a fasted state no energy is coming in cortisol goes up and adrenaline goes up and adrenaline will liberate fats from your fatty stores your adipose tissue so this is a stress signal to the body so <clears throat> let's pretend you wake up at eight in the morning now you've been fasted so you, your last meal was eight o'clock last night so you haven't eaten in 12 hours but you need to now you've you've woken up you need to go another four hours without eating because you're doing 16 8 right 16 hours fasted eight hours eating feeding window now for the next four hours you're moving that you, you let's say you're working or you go to the gym or you go for a walk or um you're doing things you're doing either physical or intellectual work you are using glucose you need that glucose and that glucose especially for your brain it needs 120 grams to 150 grams a day depending on what what you're doing that glucose will get created and the reason i emphasize will get created is if you don't put that glucose in the body through the diet through food it the body will raise the stress hormones cortisol and it will break down your valuable muscle tissue and uh, if it gets bad enough it will like shred bone against skin if it gets really bad if things get really tough uh, like in a famine situation to keep you alive to keep your blood sugar stable cortisol will break down your organs including your brain right if it gets that bad to keep you alive right? so think about it this way you might not be super healthy already now you decide to to do 16-8 intermittent fasting you're actually causing a stress literally a stress a hormone release by doing that right and what next time you eat the body or if you do this chronically what will the body do if it's getting this signal of famine like this it's a it's a very strong signal right well what what it will do is if you do it chronically you will preferentially store more energy right so literally it's because the body it's a, it's a adaptive defense mechanism survival mechanism rather where <clears throat> if you if you don't eat for a very long time or if you're getting these famine signals the next time you eat you, you're going to store more of that as fat because the body's like i don't know when i'm going to be eating again things are not okay i'm getting signals of of uh, stress you know famine potentially war could be some real tough stuff going on i need to store as much as i can the other thing that also happens is if you do 
this intermittent fasting or, or just regular fasting, let's say, uh, or you throw in low carb into the mix or even keto, your body will over time, again, if you do this chronically, if you do low carb or keto for <clears throat> two, three months, you will probably get some benefits, right? Many people have. That's why I think that's why they get almost not addicted, but they think they get a lot of benefit the first few months or, or couple of months. So they think now this is the optimal diet, but things change, right? Your hormone balance changes. So if you do, if you restrict the macronutrient like carbo carbohydrates, by virtue of the fact that your brain needs glucose, quite a lot of it every day, if you're not getting a steady supply of glucose or you're getting hunger signals and these stress hormones are, are chronically elevated, the body through the thyroid will slow down your metabolism as I already mentioned, right? So you're getting a double whammy. Now, the other, on the other hand, let's let's pause the cortisol discussion here. Adrenaline, when when um, let's say when you're low carb or when you fast, adrenaline starts to get secreted by the adrenal adrenal glands. And what adrenaline or norepinephrine or epinephrine rather, what adrenaline and noradrenaline, or as they're known in the USA, epinephrine and norepinephrine, what they do is they stimulate lipolysis. Lipolysis is the liberation of fats from our fatty stores, from our adipose tissue. And you would think, oh, that's great. We're going to burn the fat. Super duper. <laughs> you would think that, but unfortunately, that's not the case because if you start doing a lot of liberation of fats, you, most people are not healthy enough to be able to handle all that fat floating around, right? So th that's one thing, first of all. Uh, second of all, a lot of that fat that gets liberated is polyunsaturated. Uh, you may know omega-6 fatty acids like seed oils. You probably might know that seed oils are very dangerous to health because of the high, high um, polyunsaturated fatty acid content. Why? What you may not know is that when we ingest these polyunsaturated fatty acids, they get stored preferentially. So we are literally storing these up. And when you start releasing a lot of them, either by fasting or losing weight very quickly or low carbing or keto, <clears throat> they start circulating and they can actually cause organ damage. And when they get oxidized for fuel or burned for fuel, they cause, quote unquote, free radicals and they can get damaged, and they can damage things around them, and they can cause a lot of damage that can overwhelm and deplete your antioxidants. So if you're going to be losing weight, it's very important to remember to not try to do it very quickly. I know that we, we live in a, a world where we want things done fast, but in this, in, in this instance, losing fat very quickly is actually very dangerous. I've seen hormone uh, test results of somebody that has been on kind of yo-yo diets for a long time, like losing a lot of weight, like 20 pounds, and then gaining it back. And if you look at the the estrogens, the very high for a man, very, very high, higher than, you know, just like 
like at the top of the like almost of the charts in fact very tanked testosterone um, cortisol super dysregulated indicators of detoxification really badly or rather in in a bad way uh, and by that i mean the glutathione marker which is that kind of main master antioxidant in the cells that would be quite tanked and just general just a really not a pretty picture right so that is that is the result of losing weight quickly and kind of yo-yo dieting right so when i talk about fat loss or weight loss i emphasize three things safe it has to be safe but that i mean not too much at any given time because the body will get overwhelmed unless you're really good about the you know uh, supplementing antioxidants and boosting your endogenous antioxidant production which I guarantee you most people, most people, like 99.99% of people have no idea how to do that, all right? Then sustainable, we want to do it in a way where you're not doing fasting, which is actually not comfortable uh, for most people, or uh, you're not going hungry or limiting specific macronutrients like carbs. Imagine like not, not eating any carbs and being constricted like that. How is that su- going to be sustainable? If you know you can't even go to the restaurant with friends, you know uh, it's that's not sustainable. So it has to be sustainable. So safe, sustainable, and stress-free. And when I say stress-free, literally, it ties it back to what I just talked about: cortisol and adrenaline and the stress hormone cascade. If if you let let's say. <clears throat> Let's say you decide to do it safe and slow, so you're not doing it, you know, quickly. You're not trying to lose weight quickly, so you're not cutting calories and stuff. You're doing it sustainably, so you're not doing crazy macronutrient uh, exclusions and stuff like that. But then let's say you, you're like, okay, so um, I'm going to go slow. I'm going to, you know, eat a balanced diet. But then if you start exercising, or working, uh, I know. Say <clears throat> when, when I say exercising, you start exercising crazy, like joining CrossFit or tra- uh, start training for a, an Ironman triathlon or for a marathon. That is a stress, and that will actually be counterproductive. Or let's say you you have to work eighty-hour weeks, or you have to work you know fourteen-hour days, or you know you're uh, you just had twins. So if you if you don't remove the stress factor somehow, you will struggle with your goal of losing weight safely and sustainably. So we have to, as part of the weight loss strategy, we have to emphasize it being stress-free. So that means, and usually the less healthy and the older a person is, the more stress-free we have to make everything right because the older we get the less capable we are of dealing with stress right so what that means is we need to do a uh, uh, we need to move sure uh, when trying to lose weight and everything we need to still stretch and do walking and maybe light weight lifting exercises but it should definitely not be a stress 
to the body, right? Uh, at least during the initial stages of getting healthier. And this is another thing I wanted to talk about. So a lot of people mistakenly think that you to get healthy, you need to lose weight. So they, let's say, 1st of January arrives and they're like, okay, this time, this year, I mean it, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose 20 pounds or 10 kilograms or 20 kilograms, whatever. So they think that when they get, when they lose the weight six months down the line, they will be healthy. But it's actually usually the other way around. Most people try to do shortcuts or just plain don't know how to go about it safely. So at the end of the, the whole thing, they're usually less healthy. And you, if you did lab work and you analyze some metabolic markers, you would see that, right? So just to summarize, right? The way I approach weight loss, fat loss, does not include calorie restriction. Uh, definitely not, you know, 500 calories. You know, so, so, some some diets will be like re reduce uh, calories by 500, uh, reduce your intake, food intake by 500 calories per day. And then you will get a pound roughly or half a kilo of weight loss per week. That's ridiculous, right? Who Who can... Who can do that for a sustainable amount of time? And keep in mind that will slow down your metabolic rate. So when you get back on the normal diet, you're going to rebound and get gain even more weight because you're burning less calories. So calorie restriction, especially like anything over like 250 calories a day is just preposterous. It's a really bad idea. So I, I definitely do not advocate for that. I also do not really advocate for keto especially long-term or for low-carb, especially long-term. Long Some folks, um, depending on their levels of health, definitely get benefit from doing low-carb. But what I find the best thing to do is to figure out for each client what ratio of carbs, protein, and fat is right for them and kind of work around there. So usually the carbs don't go under 30% for most people. And in, in some people, we, we would go as much as 70% carbs, right? So it, again, it all depends and sometimes it changes. As you get more metabolically healthy and more sensitive to insulin, you are actually then able to eat more carbs, right? So at the start, we may keep carbs kind of not, you know, again, I don't want to say limited, but let's say to about 30%. And then over time, as you, you know, you get um, uh, uh, healthier, you get fitter, you're able to, let's say, from walking 30 minutes uh, uh, five times a week, you're now walking an hour five times a week. So you're doubled your walking. Uh, let's say uh, you're doing weights a couple of times a week. Now, as you increase your movement and your, your um, uh, walking distance then you know you can add more carbs to your day or if you're you know if you let's say get a new job that's more um, demanding on your mind on your brain we can so we can work around that and we have to adapt and um, increase and decrease certain things as you know as certain biomarkers improve um, but yeah so low carb and, you know, truly low carb, again, low carb keto, I definitely don't advocate. And for many people, 
it's it's all it's too restrictive in itself so if, if for those people it's especially nice to not have to do that right so having some carbs every day is going to still be a thing then again over exercising i believe that's a stress for most people and then fasting and you know some intermittent fasting may be okay having like a 12 12 or um what's it uh 10 14 some folks can do 8 16 but if you want to lose weight without the stress hormone cascade probably 8 8 uh, 16 intermittent fasting is probably not a good idea and what what you might find is when you let's say if you're doing low carb or keto and you're doing a lot of exercise if and maybe some intermittent fasting or whatever else if you go back to some uh, some more let's quote unquote normal baseline removing the fasting you know doing like let's say 12 12 in intermittent fasting which is not really intermittent fasting but if you know what i mean feeding 12 hours and not eating 12 hours and then if you introduce more carbs you may find that initially you you might gain some weight right and if you stop exercising like crazy you might actually start gaining a little bit of weight but if you were to check your stress markers your biomarkers like blood markers before and after yes you might have gained a little bit of weight but your hormonal profile will have improved and your metabolic rate will have increased so talking about sustainability yes initially you might take a hit right but you're getting healthier and this is what we're talking about here we you want to get healthy to lose weight not to lose weight to get healthy because doing it that way generally means at the end of the whole thing you're going to be less healthy but if you focus on getting healthy generally the weight starts to gradually and sometimes even quickly start to starts to melt right for reasons we'll we'll obviously discuss in more detail but what the biggest one is basically your your metabolic rate increasing right and sometimes if you you can go to <clears throat> if you don't believe me of course you can go to google or, or whatever or wikipedia type in obesogen right so these are chemical compounds that are hypothesized to disrupt normal development and balance of lipid metabolism which in some cases can lead to obesity now this is from wikipedia and you can see bisphenol a which was in plastics is an obesogen and it shows up in about 95 percent of people right it's in their body so there's a lot of obesogens in the environment. And another thing, if you don't believe me, you can go on on and search on Google or whatever. If you type in <clears throat> if you type in adipose tissue as a site of toxin accumulation. So what that means is our fatty stores accumulate toxins. So we we sequester toxins there where it's they're less harmful than circulating in the blood and getting jammed to our organs and so on right so that's that goes back to why you need to do it safely so if you do if you do it quickly the weight loss the fat loss you're going to be liberating a lot of toxins and they're going to be doing a lot of damage as well as well as those polyunsaturated fatty acids right so when i say we need to get healthy to lose weight what what do I really mean, right? Well, think about it like this. If these obesogens are, are causing 
hormonal disruption, right? Sex hormone dysregulation. Uh, so there, if you, this is again from, from the Wikipedia article, there's neurological uh, or neuroendocrine effects. There's peptid, peptidergic hormones that get disrupted. The endocannabinoid signaling can get disrupted. So these, some of these, uh, obesogens, they can mimic hormones of, of like estrogen and so on. So they can bind in receptor sites. They can disrupt where uh, normally a, a hormone would bind. They could um, um, they could um, block that receptor. They can also uh, activate certain receptors. Um, so there's a lot of different ways these toxins can disrupt our hormone balance. And we already discussed that hormone balance is the missing sort of part of the equation of calories in, calories out. And then also remember that we stored up a lot of toxins in our fatty tissue. So when I say getting healthy to lose weight, we need to, first of all, Im improve our diet such that we're taking in, not, not just our diet, sorry. We need to improve our diet, lifestyle, and environment so that we're taking in less toxins. That's huge, right? So, but and you will get healthier if you do that. Then, we also need to support our body, give it the raw materials in terms of nutrients, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, and so on, that will allow it to to be able to handle that toxin release. So, if you do it the other way around, which is what most people do, they they lose a bunch of weight. All these toxins get liberated. They overwhelm their antioxidant system, and now they're suffering for it. But if you do it the way I advocate is you start giving your body the antioxidant support, and it will, first of all, it will be ready for weight loss in terms of uh, spilling out toxins into the bloodstream. It's ready for that. But also, it is going to start detoxing naturally certain things. So instead of waiting for a toxin to get, you know, pushed out of a of a fat cell the body will will start because it has it has more antioxidants right it has more nutrients and energy it will start to actively detoxify things right so these are a couple of reasons why uh, and a couple of examples of why getting healthy before you lose the weight is is the right way to do it because if you just lose the weight it's likely that you're going to get less healthy. You might look better, but you might feel like crap. And if you do feel good, that's good, but that probably indicates you, you're just tapping into your reserves. So sooner or later, it will catch up to you, right? So what, so what, 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 what is the way I would go about losing weight safely, sustainably, and stress-free? Well, we want to gather some data. We want to look at some blood work, right? The blood markers. We want to look at the obvious ones, the standard ones, blood sugar, insulin, hemoglobin A1C, triglycerides, cholesterol, all those ones, liver, liver enzymes. So we can get a picture of where you are at right now. And then we do that every kind of three to six months, depending on, on everybody's different, right? But uh, we also want to track the diet analyze the diet and start optimizing it there. And here I will tell you absolutely everybody that I've spoken to uh, in the last five years has room for improvement. And most people or the majority, yeah, I should say most people have a lot 
tremendous amount that can be improved. So that is going to be very valuable. A lot of us are eating foods that we think are healthy, but they're actually doing us damage. And some of those uh, will actually be things like, basically things that contain omega-6 fatty acids. Now, people just do not realize how much of these omega-6 polyunsaturated fats we're eating and how much damage they're actually doing, especially the more unhealthy you are or the more your internal environment in the body is less than optimal, the more damage that these polyunsaturated fatty acids can do to you, right? Then we always, we have to figure out what the dietary macronutrient ratio for the person is, right? Some people, they need little carbs, like, you know, 20 to 30% carbs, they do best that way. But some people, they need more carbs. If you put those people on, on low carb, they will feel like crap. They will have brain fog. They will just not remember things. They just will not be a happy, a happy camper, right? So we have to figure that out. And that, that what uh, eating right for your type also reduces cravings, right? If you ever get, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example for me, right? If I eat now, if I eat just, let's say, steak and butter, some fat and, and protein, 20, 30 to an, uh, minutes to an hour later, I will get a craving for honey and I'll go downstairs and I'll eat some honey. And it's almost invariable that I get it. The reason is I didn't r- eat right for my type. My type, I need about 30% carbs. At least the last time I kind of checked my type. <clears throat> so if I don't include carbs in the meal, I get cravings because the craving is telling you something is missing. Um, and you also get hungrier faster. Your blood sugar will drop faster. So if we get the the right ma- and this my my clients that have followed this correctly are very happy with it, right? So if we get the right macronutrient profile uh, or, or ratios for you, and you stick to that, you will see that that alone helps you to not crave garbage, and it allows you to go longer without eating and without wanting to snack on on crap. But of course, optimizing things like the right having the right snacks is something that I also help people with, right? Then stress reduction, that's super important. But here's the thing. It's not just about meditating and doing certain other exercises, breath, breath work. The stress in the body, the cortisol response, that sometimes is so ingrained. You're so sort of dominant on that side of things that sometimes we need or oftentimes we need um, supplementary support, right? And the supplement support just sometimes is just a game changer. We're talking in the space of two, three days, people will tell me, I'm suddenly sleeping better. I'm not craving food. I'm not, excuse me, I'm not feeling hungry. It's because if you interrupt the cortisol and that that kind of uh, stress hormone milieu, if we interrupt that, block it, that allows the sort of the more anabolic, positive, relaxing, inhibitory neurotransmitters and hormones to sort of push push back in the other direction. And literally, uh, I, I really think uh, intelligent supplementation can really help to accelerate the program and accelerate the, the journey to, to much better health. And that 
a byproduct of that will be the weight loss. So in fact, not focusing on the weight loss is super important in my opinion, because otherwise you're just looking at yourself and one day, you know, especially with women, if you're pre premenopausal, you're going to have less or more water retention during the cycle. So if you're constantly checking and looking at yourself, you know, a lot of it will be, again, hormone-driven, water retention some days, less water retention other days. So if we look at it that way, it's, it's going to drive us crazy. If we focus on the process of getting healthy as opposed to the outcome, uh, you know, a number on a scale, we will generally be ha be happier, in a better state of mind, and be more more willing to go through with it without feeling like after a month, oh, no results, I'm going to not do this. This this isn't working. So the process does take time. That's why I personally would like to work with people on this six to 12 months. I, I really think <clears throat> you really want to give it several months of laying the groundwork and not even focusing too much on what is. You might lose some weight, but not focusing so much on it, right? Because again, once you... If you get healthy and strong um, and ready to, like your detoxification system and your energy system are working much better because all the energy and the nutrients you require are getting ingested and the toxins are starting to get, get out, the body will naturally release tissue that used to be a sequestrant for toxins, which a lot of people, if you look at some people that have, again, that's why they're called obesogens, right? Um, because they're either disrupting hormonal balance or they're getting sequestered in the the fatty tissue so if you detox some of this garbage out of you and don't ingest it the again the body will start to go towards homeostasis on its own <clears throat> so yeah so detoxification support antioxidant support and another thing that people forget is gut function right so if you improve gut function a lot of good things happen not just talking about weight loss here. I'm talking about sleep, obviously digestion, uh, clearly, but skin improves, uh, general feelings of well-being. So the gut is it's it's a part of the nervous system. So um, you know, if you improve that, you're literally improving the state of your nervous tone, right? Then I there's a number of lifestyle factors that are actually contributing to people's poor health. Again, they could be causing stress. They could be causing, uh, you know, it could be biochemical stress, you know, toxin exposure, <clears throat> could be EMF exposure. Uh, it could be the way you're sitting at your computer or it could be the way uh, the way um, you're getting to work, stuff like that. So we always analyze those and try to improve those. Light at night, for example, uh, blue light at night, we always try to figure out ways to reduce the, the, the exposure to that. And of course, exercise and movement. So there's a number of different things, but... Would, if you notice what what we're not focusing on really is how many calories to cut and how, how many burpees you need to do and how many miles you need to do on the bike and stuff like that. These things, again, the dieting, the low-carbing, the keto, uh, the fasting, this stuff, it will get you results, no doubt, right? Short-term, it will get you results. but if if you had the luxury of measuring your stress horm hormones, your androgens, your estrogens, your blood markers, and all that good stuff, if you start there and then you go on a bunch of like keto and carbing and, and 
and heavy exercise and you see how detrimental it is to your stress hormones and your other biomarkers, you will see that those short-term gains are at the cost, at the expense of your long-term health. And the older we get, the more difficult it is to reverse a lot of that damage. So I would actually, I mean, I'm not like if someone is younger and, and healthier and as they get healthier, we can definitely, we can definitely start to ramp uh, the exercise and movement piece later on. But to begin with, it should be very stress-free, right? This is again why it's, when I talk about weight loss, it's safe, sustainable, and stress-free. So that's, that's kind of how I approach it. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack. I mean, just the detoxification piece in terms of all these toxins getting sequestered in our fatty tissue, we could un unpack that for for hours. The fact that these obesogens, endocrine disruptors, don't forget BPA was taken out of plastics, but they're still using bisphenols in these plastics, right? So BPS, uh, there's other, other bisphenols, A, B, C, whatever. So... We are, most people are still under tremendous toxic burden and that is playing a big role. So that's why I talk a lot about detoxification and, and antioxidant support. You think, what, what does it have to do with weight loss? Well, if you dig into it, you, um, you're going to see it has a big, big factor to play. So anyway, that's, there's plenty more to unpack there. Maybe in, in future episodes I will unpack it. But um, if you're... If you need help with sustainable, safe, and stress-free fat loss, if you've been trying things and dieting and it's not been working for you, there's a link down below to my website. You can schedule a free consultation with me. We can kind of get a, I can get an understanding for where you, you're at and I can basically explain how I can help you out and if you... If you would like to work with me for six months or 12 months, it would be an honor to serve you. So check that out uh, down below in the description of this uh, podcast episode. And otherwise, you know, um, the future episodes, I'll be covering some of these topics. So do stay tuned to the podcast. And yeah, whatever you choose to do, I wish you all the very best. Christian Jordanov signing off.